This is the Magellan Journal, a podcast series here to help you navigate EU opportunities. We remove the noise around current EU issues on different topics such as transport and environment, each time through the perspective of a different expert. In this podcast, we talk to Professor Maria de Graça Carvalho. She's a member of the European Parliament since 2019 and has a background in mechanical engineering. We talk to Graça about the importance of science in politics. Hello, dear uh, Graça Carvalho. Welcome to Magellan's Journal and thank you for taking your time to talk to us. You're a very active person involved in European and national politics in your country, Portugal. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and what are your roles in the European Parliament? Okay, good morning. Thank you very much for this invitation. I have studied uh, mechanical engineer at the Institute Biotechnico in Lisbon, Technical University of Lisbon at that time, where I'm still a full professor in the area of energy, climate change and sustainable development. And I had an academic career, uh, and before I was introduced to politics, I was minister twice in Portugal, once minister of science and higher education, a second time um, higher education, science and innovation. I came to Brussels uh, as the invitation of the, at the time, President Barroso, that was one of the prime ministers that I worked with. Uh, and I was his personal uh, principal advisor on, uh, on matters of science, uh, education, research, innovation, but also energy and uh, climate change. Then in Brussels, I was elected the first time for the European Parliament in 2009. Then I, I went back to the Commission and I served as principal advisor of Commissioner Carlos Moedas that had the portfolios. Uh, uh, re, um, research and innovation. After the commission, I was elected to, again in 2019 for the European um, Parliament. Now, uh, in this term in the European Parliament, I'm again in the ITRE committee, that is the committee of uh, industry, research and innovation, energy, and I'm the deputy coordinator in that committee uh, of the EPP group. And at the moment, I have the responsibility to chair the, the group in the National Strategic Council that is a think tank of the party. And I was recently, one week ago, elected president of the Institute Francisco Sacrenaire that is like a foundation that is independent of the party, but is a, an important foundation of the social democracy in Portugal. Uh, so this is mainly my my career and also my political career in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. I think we go then directly to questions. So scientific advice is a concept that has been much discussed during this COVID-19 crisis, whether political decisions should be based on scientific evidence or politics should prevail, for example. You wrote an article on this topic claiming that scientific yeah. advice is a support to democracy. Could you tell us a bit more about this important issue? Yeah. As this um, crisis has shown, the scientific advice is crucial for the policy making. I have been promoting this idea of the scientific-based policies uh, from during all my career. During the time that I was the principal advisor of President Barroso, I advised him to set up a system of scientific advice and he had for the first time uh, in the commission, uh, a scientific advisor. 
Um, again, with the Commissioner Moedas, I advise him that he should do the same. And I help him to set up the science advice mechanism that was not one person, but a group of seven scientists and the whole mechanism that would advise the commission, the entire commission, on complex issues. And nowadays, the policymakers are confronted uh, with very, very complex issues that really needs a lot of scientific information. This does not mean that the politician should always follow exactly what the scientists say, but they need to be informed. I would say, uh, and I, I always say in my speeches, that there are like a triangle uh, in the policy making or in the political decision. You, you need to have uh, access to the best evidence, data and scientific evidence, the best available at the moment. You need to have access to the ethical principles related of the matter, what are the political, uh, what are the ethical implications of the issues that you have to solve, mm -hmm. and you have to uh, to to have access to the political and administrative constraints, budget constraints, uh, all other constraints, and from these three, the politician needs to do an informed decision and is the combination of the three informations that makes a good political decision. Yes, and like you say, science, research, innovation, technological readiness levels are also words that would benefit from being understood by the general public. Yes. How to make the public enthusiastic about spending about 100 billion euro of taxpayers' money in research and innovation as part of the economic recovery, for example? the benefits of science and innovation needs to be understood by the public. This situation of the COVID helped a lot for the, for the public to, to understand the importance of science. The, the answer and the final solution for this crisis will come from science. Only science can help us to have a solution for the present crisis through uh, vaccinations through an efficacy and efficient therapy. It should be the scientists that will develop uh, the solution because what we are doing at the moment is just to, to damage control until we have the final solution. So we are confined, we are trying to avoid the contagious situations in order not to have a big damage until we have the the final solution and that one will come from uh, from the scientists so the public in general has has understood but even before this crisis there were plenty of examples in the uh, environment the clean cleaning the air we had much worse situations in uh, industrial cities in in the uh, during the 70s and the 80s that is now um, the technology for uh, emission of pollutions, I'm not talking about the CO2, but we are talking about particles and NOx and salts, mm -hmm. were much worse uh, in the 70s, in the 80s than they are now. So they are much cleaner. Um, we can produce, we have produced ways to produce electricity that are much cleaner than it was before. So 
that was a big advancement because of research and innovation. Mm -hmm. And what about health? Do you have any comments on that topic? Health has a lot of uh, examples, many vaccines of many uh, diseases, many therapies, diseases that were fatal before and are now transforming chronic diseases. So we have many, many examples uh, that to show that science is uh, very important for the well-being of the society and also for the economy. The technology that today we use, for example, the fact that we are, can, we are now doing this uh, podcast at the distance, all the, the people that are used, all the youngsters that are used um, very sophisticated uh, iPhones and iPads, this is all due to research and innovation. The internet is due to research and innovation. And more, it, it are results of very fundamental research. Um, that after developed in concrete products, there is an innovation process, uh, evolution, that, that this fundamental research is transforming technology and from there in products and they, they enter into the market. And they create um, uh, wealth and it made us to live better. We are much less people in poverty than some years ago, and mainly of that is due to the consequence of the technological evolution that was done through more research and innovation. But even with all these examples, we, the policymakers and the ones that have prepared Horizon 2020 and Horizon Europe are aware that this still very important to show the, the, the relevance of investing in science and innovation. So it's why we have some of the novelties for Horizon Europe um, that are instruments that promote projects that are closer to the people. It's the case of the missions, we will, it's a new instrument for Horizon Europe. And one of the objectives of these missions is that the public in general are also involved. For example, we'll have a cancer mission where also the associations of patients, the public in general, because it also deals with prevention, is supposed to be involved so that they see the importance of investing in science. And there are objectives very concrete to transform the more and more the cancer into uh, a chronic disease and not a disease where a certain percentage of people die. It has been already along the years becoming a, a, a chronic disease, but we want more than more and more. Uh, it, it transformed cancer in a chronic disease and not a, in a fatal um, mm-hmm. disease. Okay, so yeah. you were mentioning technology and then you are in charge of the new legislation for the European Institute for Innovation and Technology. Yeah. What is this legislation about? Can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, the, the EIT is a short name, uh, is an institute that promotes the triangle of, of knowledge. It's the only instrument uh, in, in the European budget that, that does that. What I mean the triangle of knowledge it includes both science, uh, research, and innovation, and education. And in an integrated way, in a holistic way, uh, to promote competitiveness, uh, to promote a better link between the academic world and the industrial and the entrepreneurial world. It already exists, so this is a continuation of the EIT. 
and uh, what are the main news in this um, in our legislation compared with the past uh, we want to promote a EIT that is much more balanced in terms of geographical terms uh, the EIT until now has been very concentrated in three or four countries, the countries that are more competitive and richer in Europe. And we think that there is innovation potential and there is excellence all over Europe. So we need to make sure uh, that the, the EIT much more open, much more transparent, and that will result in a better geographical balance and spread all over Europe. Uh, that is one of the, the points. The second point, we have created two new kicks because uh, the, the EIT is organizing kicks. What are kicks? Are knowledge and innovation communities. In the previous EIT, we had already kicks on energy, ICT, climate change, food, raw materials, health, and we transport. Uh, and we have created two new ones one on creative and culture industries and sectors. Mm -hmm. So these are a little bit different than the usual topics. That is a novelty and is a very interesting, I, I think that it will be a very interesting kick. And we have proposed uh, a new kick that we hope that the council will accept it now in the negotiations, that is a kick on water. So we are proposing that uh, projects, proposals that are based in regions that are willing to co-finance with the infrastructures, the, the, the kick or the partner belong to the kick that will be placed in the region, this will be a positive factor in the proposal. So like that, we will promote the synergy with the regional funds and we'll make sure that we have more partners from regions of the cohesion that are entitled for regional funds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my last question before you were mentioning women in technology. This is one topic close to your heart and bringing women to technology professions and jobs. Why do you think this is something that doesn't come more naturally and we have to work on it more to make it happen? Yeah, it's like a circle. If you have uh, some of the professions that are dominated mainly by men, women do not feel so much attracted to go to these, uh, to these professions. And even if they go to these professionals, they, sometimes they, they leave after some time. And we have that example in some of the engineers. It's very important, the role model, that they see that other, other women are engineers and they practice engineering, mm -hmm. so that they are attracted also to, the, um, to go to engineer. We have improved quite a lot in science in Europe. We have progressed along the time. We have progressed in many of the engineering fields. However, there is one field that we are even... Uh, regressing. We are having less and less uh, women, that is the ICT. We have in ICT only 20% are women. For example, in cybersecurity is around 10%. There are all professions of future. There will be plenty of jobs in these areas, mm -hmm. well-paid jobs, and we have very few women studying in these uh, degrees. So this, if we don't do anything about, for example, the pay gap that exists between women 
and men will, instead of reducing, will increase. So it's yes. important so what, what are the to ways, do something. Yeah, one of the ways of doing that. What would it uh, be? Ways to do this. As I told, role models, the role in the education, the role of the audiovisual in television is rare that you see in films, in uh, series, that the main character is a woman that is an engineer or ICT engineer or computer science. It's important that this starts happen because influence a lot. We know we have uh, evidence that the, the young girls, young, uh, young people are influenced by the, the, their uh, idols that they see in television and in movies. Also in the education, very early age in the education, uh, on museums, science museums, uh, I have the, the one uh, personal experience. I mean, in the end of the open day, one young boy asked me, uh, Professor, you, I only see women uh, showing us in the mechanical engineer. I was planning to come to mechanical engineer. Do you think that uh, as a boy I will feel well here or <laughs> should I go to civil engineer? Or... So you see that is very important that they saw that there were women there that were not one girl told me, oh, I thought that uh, there were no women and the few women that would be would be full of dust. Uh, not properly dressed, full of uh, powder from uh, the machines and oil. This is very important that, that, that uh, in the education system, in the audiovisual change the perception, system, yes. to show the stereotypes and the perception. Mm -hmm. And we need to do that now mainly in the ICT. And so finally, last question, Rasa, for you, what are the main lessons you have learned from the times you are living in and you would like to share with the audience? I mean, I would uh, refer to yes. the current crisis. We have to rethink many things. Um, for example, globalization. There are some processes that are, that are not rational at all. I also t tell you another uh, story. I request some uh, products to, for my work and they came some uh, clips from Germany, some uh, paper plastic folders that come from France. And so the, the globalization is uh, uh, simple products are imported from all over the world without uh, the economical or environmental rationale. And we need to rethink this process. Small items that you can are produced near you or you can produce near you because they are simple. Why should they be imported so, from so far away? doesn't mean that I'm uh, proposing a protectionist way, but I'm proposing a, a more rational way to look at society. And uh, we need to do a rethinking on this process, mainly on the the these global chains need to be open, but they need to be rational. They, may, they need to make sense. And we, it's important to, to stop and think uh, about all these very global process that do, do not have a rational behind. Well, thank you very much for sharing your stories with us, Grasa. They are very interesting. And thank you again for participating in the podcast. I wish you a nice day. Thank you very much. If you like this podcast and want to know more about Magellan, check out our website at www.magellan-association.org.